welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. such a stirring about what we've been talking about the last actually seven weeks we've been talking about uh, something here that to me it's an absolute revelation that when the church sees this and gets this um, their life is going to soar into higher things they're going to be more receptive to the things of God and um, a lot of Christians in, in the whole world is being fooled by crafty, subtle lies and deceptions of the enemy. Lies have surrounded them for so long that they're not discerning that they are lies. Things have been messing with their their feelings and their emotions that their thinking is true and it's not in line with Scripture. And I'm telling you, the Lord is helping us huge during these Wednesday night teachings. And um, so I'm going to tell you again what the title is in just a second here, but turn to Second Corinthians chapter 9. I think they have a little graphic, too. If you have that graphic, you can put it up anytime, and then we'll go to Second Corinthians chapter 11. But we've been talking about, now this sounds strange, I know, and some people may turn off when I say this, but listen, don't, don't just turn off. There's scriptures for what we're talking about here. The title of this series is The Devil is Beautiful. No, we're not a cult. No, we, we, we're not crazy. There's scriptures that says he's very beautiful. Actually, he's so beautiful that God said he was beautiful twice in one chapter. And I, I think we think he appears to be very ugly and grotesque because of Hollywood and because of what some people who had too much pot thought he looked like when they drew his picture. and <laughs> The horns, the fangs, the slobber, the... Uh, He's called, he's called a serpent, and he's called a dragon, but that's not telling you what he appears to be like. That's telling you what his nature is. Just like Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, he's not a lion with a long mane. He's a person, right? But his character, the lion of the tribe of Judah, well, the devil is called the old serpent, the old dragon, and it's not talking about what he looks like. It's talking about his mode of operandi. It's talking about his purpose. It's talking about his intentions. And so people need to be on guard because I don't know what people are waiting for before they start resisting, but they need to do a lot more resisting than they've been doing. See, Satan doesn't just come with fear. A lot of times he comes disguised in the light of your own desires. And you have to be very aware of the fact of what the Word says. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of truth to even identify his crafty lies. Because don't think he's a newbie at this. He has been deceiving people for over six, over six, about 6,000 years as far as we know. Before that, we don't know how long he was in existence. But he is really good at deceiving people. And the only way you'll be able to understand his deceptive, crafty lies is if you have truth in you and you're filled with the spirit of truth. Because you're no intellectual match for the devil for one simple reason. He's been around a little longer than you. He's absorbed a few more facts and he's observed this thing called 
life on planet earth a little longer than you have so don't try to think you'll ever outsmart the devil or outwit him the only thing that you'll the only way you're going to understand and recognize the lying crafty schemes of the devil is if you're looking to the one who's been around longer than him and that's the holy spirit and the scriptures because the scriptures are uh, god breathed that's where the holy spirit had it written down. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, this, this is really interesting, and, and I know we're coming up on Resurrection Sunday, and I believe there's some application here, so believe with me, and we believe this will happen. Lord, just before we go any further, help the exact words that we need to hear to come forth. Show us things that we need to see for our next steps in our life and ministries. Help us to understand what we need to get tonight. We look to you, we look to the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to encourage us, to bring us up into higher levels of revelation and not just hearers of the word but help us to be doers thereof in Jesus name and we thank you for it father amen all right so second Corinthians 11 look with me at verse 10 so this is Paul the Apostle writing to the church everywhere actually he says as the truth of Christ is in me no man shall stop me in this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore? Because I love you not, God knows. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. Now notice these next two verses, or next three verses. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. A lot of revelation here. One of the first things we've realized is this. Just because it's bright doesn't mean it's right. Satan himself has transformed himself into an angel of light. Bright cannot be the number one way we discern is this God or the devil. Because God is light. We understand that. But it says here the devil transforms himself as an angel of light. And, and I think what we need to get into here is we need to talk a little bit more about atmospheres and feelings. Because a lot of times the atmosphere is going to feel right. Feelings are going to feel right. It's going to seem right. It's going to seem bright. It's going to seem... And just because all those things are in place does not mean it's in line with this book. The enemy knows nobody's going down a wrong road that feels like a wrong road. So he's got to get people to realize, he's got to get people to think that the wrong road is actually not a wrong road. He's got to get people to think that the right road is not such a good road, an oppressive road. And I don't know how he works totally in these areas, but we have to be on guard for feelings. We have to be on guard for atmospheres. We have to be on guard for suggestions, thoughts, dreams that aren't in line with the word. And the Bible says if you find something coming to you in the feeling area or the, or the emotional area or the dream area, and it's not in line with the book and it feels wonderful, cast it down. You have mighty weapons to deal with these things. The enemy is smart for one simple reason is he's been absorbing knowledge for 6,000 years plus. He knows a lot. Now he's using his smarts and his wisdom to corrupt and to hurt people, but he's smart. Don't, don't think he's not, don't think he's not smart. He knows some things. He's been around a lot. Just 
by virtue of the fact of how long he's been around, shows us he's smart. But, if you're in the Word, and you're praying, you're staying filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll recognize his crafty lies, you'll recognize his deceptions, his thought-out schemes, and you'll realize, whoa, wait a second, that looks right, seems right, feels like, looks bright, seems bright, but that ain't right. It's not in line with the Word, and the Spirit of God right here is telling me, that, that's not it, that's not it. Do you know how many marriages have been destroyed because people went more what they felt than what God said? Do you know how many uh, ministries have been ruined because people went more by what they felt was right than what the Bible said was right? Do you know how many Christians today are doing things that the Bible says they shouldn't do because it feels okay to do it and thousands of other people are doing it? As if that's some verification that this is the way. Walk ye in it. Uh-uh. Thousands of other people doing it, feeling like it's the right way, seeming like it's the right way, does not mean it's the right way. Too many people have been being tricked in this area, but us, we won't be fooled again. <laughs> right? We're not going to be fooled again. If it's in the B-I-B-L-E, that's what we go by. I don't care how many sensations or feelings. Actually, there's a scripture in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the, but the end thereof is the way of death. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right, feels right, looks right, sounds right. Must be right. <laughs> Not necessarily so. Not necessary. Now see, this scripture says that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Do you know why he does that? To trick you to think that a wrong road is a right road. This is, this is his, his M.O. The only reason he's transforming himself into an angel of light is to trick people to think that something is God and it ain't. Bright doesn't mean right. <laughs> Can I get a witness? I know from personal experience, I've been fooled in my past. I know what I'm talking about. And if we're all honest, we all know what we're talking about tonight. Felt right. Seemed right. Didn't really feel that bad. God will understand. It's okay. Millions of others are doing it. <laughs> oh man. Famous last words. The scripture says, broad is the way to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight and narrow is the way to life, and few there be that find it. So the majority is usually just following each other. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll go this way. Everybody else is going this way. You might end up falling off a cliff with them. How about you look to the Lord yourself? Seek the Lord yourself. And so I wanted to show you that because you need to be on guard for things other than just fear and ugly monsters and boogeymen. You need to start learning to resist some things that are beautiful, bright, artificial light, feel good, seems right, sounds right. Did you notice the verse 15 there? Did you see what it said there? It said you ain't have to watch out for people who look right and sound right. Ministers of righteousness. Look, it says, Therefore, it's no great thing that the devil's ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. It's all about trying to fake people out. It's all about trying to deceive. The devil knows you're not going to fall for something that looks demonic. 
It has to look to a degree right, and maybe he just might even, the devil might even be able to connect the scripture with it. He did it with Jesus. Why wouldn't he do it with you? Hey, Jesus, look, the Bible says in Psalm 91 uh, that your angels will give charge over you, and he'll, they'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. So why don't you just jump off the pinnacle of the temple and let's watch your angels pick you up? Devil's quoting scripture. Quoting scriptures. What do you do if the devil quotes you a scripture? You check it out with every other scripture. <laughs> right? You check it out. You, you, you just... It's, it's a sad scenario, but the devil knows the Bible a lot better than a lot of Christians know the Bible. Now, he's had a little more time to hear it and hear people quoting it and... <laughs> But it's time we just get so filled with God and so filled with the word that when a lie shows up, we go, uh-uh. And the tractor beam of the world and the tractor beam on your feelings and emotions are trying to pull you toward what seems right, feels right, looks right, seems bright. And you go, uh-uh, I'm not dumb. Uh-uh, been there, done that, I'm not dumb. So in Ezekiel 28, let's, show, let's look again at the scripture here that talks about the devil being beautiful. What are we waiting for? Before we start resisting, an ugly monster, a boogeyman, or some of these bright, beautiful, good things. Got to be aware, on guard for those things too because he's working in those areas as well. So Ezekiel 28, look here in verse 11. And this, you'll see in just a minute here that this is talking about Lucifer himself. And this actually correlates with Ephesians 6 where it talks about the devil and his kingdom having regime in it and where there's actually higher powers and, and leaders and rulers of the darkness of this world and principalities and powers. And so you'll see this here in Ezekiel 28 verse 11. The prophet had an insight into eternity past. Some things about the origin of Lucifer the devil and his fall and even some words of wisdom about the future destiny of the devil which... Ain't very good. So in verse 11 it says, Moreover the word of the Lord came unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, <clears throat> take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus says the Lord, king of Tyrus, you seal up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Remember that word beauty. He's describing someone here. Calls him, in the first verse we just read, King of Tyrus. Prince of Tyrus was a man. You'll find that in verses 1 through 10. But now he's ta talking to a spirit behind the scenes that this prince was yielding to and being controlled by. So he says here that you, King of Tyrus, you are full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden, the Garden of God. Obviously, not a man. <laughs> he couldn't have been alive that long. Garden of Eden was thousands of years before this. And so he's obviously talking about a spirit being, and we know it's the devil because the devil was in the Garden of Eden. You have been in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper. Um, and I thought it was interesting in verse 13, the word was in the King James is italicized. It's not in the original Hebrew. So really it's saying, you have been in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone, your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of your tabrets and of your pipes was prepared in you in the day you were created. You are the anointed cherub 
that covers. Cherub is a rank of angel. Talking about Lucifer right here. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so, God said. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Had this amazing privilege and place in God's kingdom, in God's plan, and he still fell. Interesting. See, the devil lost his place, but he didn't lose all his abilities. He's just corrupted his wisdom. Things are corrupted now that God originally gave him. And now he's using his charisma, if you will, to hurt and destroy God's people and the earth and to control. So God said, you are perfect in the way, you're perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And that was by his own choice. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence, talking to Lucifer, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. What are we talking about here? The devil. Devil by nature, beauty by appearance. That's why we had a little graphic up there. You know, we were trying to find a graphic that had a, a good-looking person. You know, I mean, I know all things, but just a good-looking person. But um, evil doesn't mean ugly. And if people are waiting for the ugly before they start resisting... You're being messed with by the enemy and don't even know it in other areas. If a Christian goes for a long period of time and they're never resisting anything of the devil, mark it down. The devil's doing a lot of things in their life they're not aware of. Subtle stuff. See, the enemy knows if he comes too quick or too hard, we won't resist him. He has to come in under radar. He doesn't mind if it takes five, ten years to bring something in somebody's life. As long as it destroys their marriage in the end run, or as long as it keeps them from getting saved, or as long as it destroys this or destroys that. Interesting that the enemy is a little, little patient. I mean, he's been around a long time, so he's probably realized some things don't happen immediately. But, you know, after ten years, we can destroy this family if we just keep bringing little foxes under the spoil of vine. Got to be on guard for the little subtle stuff, not just the big monster stuff. <laughs> Amen. So look, at, he, said, he said, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom. So he still has wisdom, but it's corrupted. And it was corrupted by reason of your brightness. Bright. Angel of light. See all these attributes that we need to be on guard for? We don't just be on guard for the boogeyman and the monsters. Be on guard for these bright things that aren't right. These beautiful things that aren't God. These feelings that seem right, but they're not right. This is why you and I... Uh, oh, don't rely on me for your intake of the Word. You, you have got to get more than what you're getting on Sundays and Wednesdays. You have got to go over these things on your own. You have got to develop the habit and lifestyle of a daily feeding in God's Word. Read your chapter a day with the church Monday through Friday. We're on Proverbs 3 today. Read your chapter. Find out where we're headed with that. Find scriptures. Read. Listen to sermons. Hear the archives. They're all free. Every sermon we preach for years and decades, they're all free. And nobody should perish for lack of knowledge in this church. And um, there's no cost for any of it, so really there's no excuse for getting behind. So look here. It says, you have defiled your sanctuary. No, excuse me. 
I'll lay you before kings in the end of verse 17 that they may behold you. God said, you have defiled your sanctuaries by the mul multitude of your iniquities and by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of you and it will devour you and I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. And all they that know you among the people shall be astonished at you. You shall be a terror and never shall you be anymore. Great hope, wonderful revelation about the devil. Just absolutely amazing. And now we've been going over this, and, I, and you may think, well, Pastor, don't you know anything else? I do. I've got so many notes, I could write 50 books. But the Lord told me, it doesn't do the people any good if they forget it. These sayings have to sink down into our ears. That's why we have to go over and over. Repetition is one of the greatest teachers. And, and don't, don't tune out and just say, well, I heard that last week. Is it in your blood? Is it making a difference in your life? Are you recognizing more of his sly uh, schemes and deceptions arrayed against you? Because if we're not, then all we did was socialize, you know, gather in a social gathering. These things have got to be getting into our blood. So let me just say these things kind of quickly for you now. Here's what we need to be on guard for. Bright. Stuff that ain't right stuff. Bright. Everybody say Bright. Because, see, sometimes it feels so right, and the atmosphere feels so bright. It must be God. Newsflash. Could be the devil transforming himself into an angel of light and try to cast some brightness on something that you're thinking about doing or not doing or whatever and making you feel like, oh, maybe this is God. It just seems so bright. You better have more than bright before you make some kind of major decision in your life. <laughs> you need to make sure it's not just bright, but that it's scriptural are in line with what the spirit of truth is saying in you, which is in line with scripture. So bright. You got to be on guard for beautiful. Sometimes it's going to look, wow, man, that, that just, that's, that seems, whether it's a person or a place or a scenario, that's just beautiful. Yeah, so is the devil. Don't let that be the number one reason you make a life-changing decision, because something's beautiful. Number three, be on guard for smart. Intellectual Knowledge does not mean godly. God, this guy is so smart. Whoop-de-doo, if there's no fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> you don't even, you're not even smart until you know the Lord. But he's smart in the area of knowing things about earth and about people and about human beings. He's smart in knowing what people yield to in this area of temptation, how to come at people. He's smart because he's been around so long. But just because it's smart doesn't mean you should go that direction. Um, Romans 16, turn there with me. Romans chapter 16. There's two more things we want to add to our list that we need to be on guard for. Bright, beautiful, smart. Seems right, feels right. Look here in Romans 16. Let's read verse 17 and 18. Romans 16. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the teaching which you have learned and avoid them. Now notice he said, didn't say don't love them. But there are some people you need to avoid. For one reason is because of this principle called contagious. There are certain things that are contagious solically, just like there are certain things that are contagious physically. And he's not telling us here to violate love. God, love wrote this. But he is saying there at times you need to distance yourself from certain people or situations that's causing divisions 
and offense is contrary to the teaching which you have learned. You have to go back to what you have learned. And then he said, avoid them. Notice he didn't say don't love them. He said, avoid them. Next verse. For they that are such don't serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words, say good words. And fair speeches, say fair speeches. Just want to help and build up the church. No, it's all, it's all designed to deceive the hearts of the simple. Everybody say good words. Are not all good words. Because of the motivation and because of the intent behind them, they're not good for you. So what do you have to be on guard for? Sometimes good words. There's a difference between good and God and oh, what a difference. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? God is always good, but good is not always God. Can your, can your brain wrap around that? All right, so what does he mean, good words and fair speeches? People that are good at talking, people that are good at, you know, philosophizing, people that are good at speaking, people that, you know, I know in my Christian walk, even there's been some success in life teachings that I've listened to, and, and I like a lot of them. Some of them, I, I, they, they're like, wow, that's amazing. But then my mind goes, well, where is that in the Bible? And if I can't find it in the Bible, it becomes less amazing to me. Even though it did something to my emotions, if I can't find it in the Bible, it's not as amazing to me anymore. It might be real catchy, might appeal to my soul, but if it's not in the scriptures, eh. <laughs> Gotta watch out about philosophies of the world and good words and fair speeches that are not found in the scriptures. I know there's, there's things that I have written down in a, a book I have at home. It's, it's a nugget book. Just little one-liners that just really stir me up. Things that I read. And I was reading through them one time. The Lord said, put a scripture reference by every one of those phrases. Make sure it's in the Bible, not just a cool emotional nugget. It's connected to some kind of a worldly, you know, success or whatever. And so... I guess we can add to our list, be on guard for bright, be on guard for beautiful, be on guard for smart, be on guard for good words, be on guard for fair speeches. Now, the cross-reference in my King James Bible says another word for good words is smooth words. The devil's smooth. He's smooth. Actually, if you're going by appearance only, you want to hang around the devil. He's a good-looking dude. But boy, marriages, oh, if people would put heart on the top of the list and looks on the bottom of the list, they'd be in a lot less trouble. Looks change. What does it say in Proverbs? Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, now nah, that's somebody you want to get to know. She shall be praised. So good words, got to sometimes be on guard for good words. Got to be on guard for fair speeches. Uh, another word for fair is flattering. So do we have to be on guard for flattery? Yeah, the Holy Spirit will help you discern this stuff. Absalom was flattering the people as they came to King David to try to, and the Bible says he was, uh, he was stealing the hearts of the people. But it looked like a, a gesture of goodness and I care. But the Holy Ghost said, it's stealing. 
He's trying to steal the hearts of the people from his father, King David, because Absalom wanted to be king. He was committing high treason. He was going to usurp authority and try to take the whole kingdom. And he didn't do it, praise God. Some terrible things happened to him, but um, he, he, the people would come to him, and he would kiss them and hug them and say, I have your answers. I would be a good king. I have your answers. Showing himself to be all flattering and nice, but the Holy Ghost said it was stealing. Well, the biggest example of that is Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, right? Faithful are wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So you got to watch out about flattering. Um, we already talked about, watch out about feels right. Another thing I wanted to show you real quick in Revelation 12, 9. Actually, don't turn there. Let me just tell you, it talks about Satan being called that old serpent and the great dragon. And when you think of serpent and dragon, that's where I think some of these people get these images and they paint them or Hollywood portrays this or portrays that what the devils and demons look like. But again, that's not talking about how he appears. Dragon and serpent is describing the heart of the devil, not his appearance. It's describing his purpose, not his appearance. He's a dragon at heart. In appearance, he's a very beautiful being. And I looked up the word dragon because I wanted to, what does this word dragon mean? So I looked it up in the Greek because it's translated from the Greek in the New Testament. And the word dragon, when it says the devil is called that serpent, that dragon, the word dragon means fabulous and fascinating serpent, kind of serpent. Everybody say fabulous. fabulous. Say this, be on guard for the fabulous. Be on guard for the fascinating. Because everything that's fabulous is not God. Everything that's fascinating is not God. Now, don't get me wrong. God has some fascinating things, but everything that's fascinating is not necessarily God. The devil knows how God operates. He has seen God get amazing results, so he's going to try to act like God in certain areas and get the same results in the negative. So he'll try to do some of the things God did to get our attention and to draw us in a direction that we're not supposed to go. Um, the devil has to make wrong seem and feel right. And he's got to make right seem and feel oppressive or we won't fall for it. The devil has to make wrong look right and he's got to make right look oppressive or we won't fall for it. There's been times I've been in the middle of the perfect will of God and felt oppressive. But I knew I was right where God wanted me. I knew I was doing what he wanted me to do. And I was saying, Lord, where's this oppression coming from? And there's different times, you know, different reasons oppression can come on you. Um, and one of them is the enemy's trying to make, make you think you're in the wrong place. And you have to be spiritually enough and mature enough in the word and walking with God to know this is the enemy trying to push me out of my place. Don't follow atmospheres. <laughs> follow the word. There's times Jesus was in the perfect will of God and he was sweating as it were great drops of blood, feeling great pressure from the enemy and he was right in the middle of the perfect will of God. Part of him wanted to not go that direction but then he said, not my will but your will be done. So always feeling wonderful is no sign you're in the will of God. Now, there's always an underlying peace in your spirit. But when it comes to your feelings and your emotions, I am telling you, there's going to be times you're going to feel like 
you, you, you're going to feel oppression. And you're right where you're supposed to be. Another reason sometimes believers feel these things is because they're picking up something somebody else is going through and God's looking for somebody to intercede for them and pray on their behalf because they don't know how to get free on their own. And you'll actually sometimes sense what somebody else is sensing and it ain't you, it's you're in intercession for somebody else. And if you pray in tongues long enough, you'll break that thing and victory will come and you start laughing and praising God, you'll know you have the victory. But... Um, here's another thing. I wanted to emphasize this. I just barely touched on this, and then we're going to get to some of these lies real quick because we've got to close. Um, but here's something. We know that this book is number one. Word first, spirit second. Right? This is the word, right? I mean, Jesus pointed to the word above his own resurrected presence when he was talking to the two men on the road to Emmaus. He didn't say, hey guys, it's me, look at my scars. He said, no, look at the scriptures. Wasn't it written that Christ must die, suffer, and rise from the dead? He pointed them to the scriptures above his own resurrected presence as proof. As, you know, proof that the word of God is more important than anything. Well, the word of God, and number two, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. So no wonder we're told to maintain a spirit-filled life every day because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the spirit of truth. And all these lies and subtle deceptions of the devil, you're way more aware of them when you're filled with the spirit of truth. And when you're in that book all the time, you're way more aware of them. Oh, wait, that's not God. Seems right, but it's not right. You'll just know. So be filled with the spirit, stay in the word, and you won't be deceived. Is that simple enough? So now... I want you to look at uh, John 14. All right, we're going we're gonna to wrap up here a little bit. I have to get to some of these lies. We want to smash some lies right now. We want to destroy some lies that I see are binding and hurting a lot of people. They don't know their lies. They're yielding to stuff they shouldn't be yielding to. They think certain stuff is true just because a preacher preached it. Hmm? Check out every preacher with the Bible. You all can get a Bible. Check it out. Find the scriptures. Go home and make sure what he was saying was true or she was saying was true. So here's, here, we talked about this, but we haven't talked about in depth enough. And so I want to talk just for a few more minutes about this big lie that is in the earth today and in a lot of churches today. It's being believed and it's really doing damage to the church and a lot of other people because of the way this phrase is interpreted. And I'm sure most of you know what I'm going to say. We haven't talked about it enough. Here's a lie. You ready? God is in control. Think about it. Anybody heard that phrase, God is in control? Anybody heard that phrase after a tragedy? Well, the accident took him out. The little baby, the mama. I don't know why, but... God is in control. I'm going to tell you just in a few minutes why that is so wrong. Okay? It's such, it's such, it leaves such a terrible impression. So look at John 14, 30. John chapter 14, verse 30. Jesus is just about to go to the cross, and he makes mention of the devil here. And I want you to notice what he says about the devil. Jesus said to his disciples, Hereafter, I'll not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing 
in me. Prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me? Who's he talking about? Same person Paul was talking about. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Who's he talking about? Same one Paul was talking about Ephesians. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Now, everybody say world. This is why it's so wrong to say God's in control of everything that happens in the world. He's not even the God of this world. The devil's the God of this world. Jesus is Lord of those that are surrendered to him. But the whole world lies in wickedness. Are you listening to me? So if God's in control, but the devil's the prince of this world, how does that work? De the devil is in more control of this world than God. Because the whole world lies in wickedness. Now, if you're a Christian and you've given your heart to Jesus and you're submitted to his lordship, Jesus is in control of your life, depending upon your yielding to him. But not everybody on this planet is yielded to the Lord. There's a bunch of Christians that aren't yielded to the Lord. Jesus is their savior, but they're not living in his lordship every day. And Believers can yield to the devil anytime they want. Peter did. It didn't mean he was possessed, but he yielded. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, talking to Peter, the Apostle Peter. So, the devil is in control of most of this world. That simply means that a lot of bad stuff that's happening has nothing to do with God is in control. I think sometimes people mean God is in control. In other words, God is ultimately going to get his way after everything's said and done. Yes. Whether people choose to follow him or not, he will get his way. Things will happen the way he said in the end. But giving the impression that God's in control of everything that happens on this world is wrong. Satan, by Jesus, is called the prince of this world. That means a lot of what happens in this world is of the devil. Has nothing to do with God wanting it to happen or somehow controlling it to happen that way. Oh, come on, even unbelievers understand some of these things. There's actually some unbelievers that would be saved today if they hadn't heard certain preachers preach certain things about God is in control at a funeral or the Lord, the Lord took him and we don't know why. Hmm. If God's taking people out, you know, with tragedies and car wrecks and cancers, then he's not love because love works no ill to its neighbor. That's what the Bible says. That means all the ill or all the illness in the world is not the work of God or the will of God. There is a devil and there are demons. And they are at work. And Jesus called him the prince of this world. Paul called him the God of this world and all his demons. That means they have ruling. It calls them the rulers of the darkness of this world. They have rulership. They have authority in this realm because Adam gave it to them. And they are controlling some stuff. And a lot of what's happening in the earth today has nothing to do with God is in control. It has to do with God giving man a free will. God gave Satan a free will. He rebelled. Others are rebelling. A lot of bad things are happening because they, people are choosing them to happen. And here's another thing. 
This lie, God is in control, keeps people from obeying James 4, 7. If God is in control, why resist anything? Look at James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, if God's in control, why resist? See, the enemy wants you to not resist him. So he's got to get you and me believing that God's in control. And somewhere in the deep, mysterious sovereignty of God, he wanted these things to happen or allowed these things to happen. So don't buck it. Don't fight it. Just let it happen. And if it happens, oh well. Then why, what about this scripture? Can you please put James 4, 7 on the screen? Submit yourselves therefore to God, the Bible says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well... If God's in control, better not resist His control. Better just kick back and hope bad things don't happen to you. And if they do, just, you know, as you're dying, say, God is in control, I guess. If God's in control, why'd Jesus call the devil the prince of this world? If God's in control of everything that happens on this world, why did Jesus say, the devil is the prince of this world? He has authority in this world. He's causing some things to happen in this world. See, it's a real interesting thought, isn't it? Another thing we have to watch out. See, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, resist the devil steadfast in the faith. Well, if God's in control, why resist? And if he is in control and you do resist, you're resisting his control. Well, you can't have them both. Ephesians 4.27 says, give no place to the devil. What does that mean? Well, what it means is if he has place in your life, it's not because he took it, it's because you gave it. He can't just come in and take. You have to give place to the devil. See that? Neither give place to the devil. So if the devil has place, it's not because he just took it and overpowered us, it's because we gave it to him by not understanding his subtle lies and tactics and tricks to get us to open up doors that we shouldn't have opened up and do things we shouldn't have done. You know what really good news about that verse in verse 27? Is the only way the devil can mess with you and have place in your life is if you give it to him. He's not as big and as bad as Hollywood says he is. He does not have as much power as Hollywood says he has. He's not some equal opposite of God. He's an eternally defeated foe who's really good at lying. So... If you put all these scriptures together, you realize God is in control. God is in control. That, that tornado, he something, had something to do with that. Didn't people got killed, destroyed, destruction. God is in control of the uh, child abuse. Somehow, I don't understand God's mysterious ways. I mean, God is in control. One of the greatest things that that's doing in the negative is it's giving people the wrong impression about our loving Heavenly Father. I wish people would just, just, just please make one Christian movie that tells the truth in this area and quit blaming God for accidents and people get hit by cars and all this stuff and people dying of cancer. Please just make one movie where it shows a little bit about the devil and say some things that Jesus said about the devil. There is a devil. And, and, and I know Jesus warned people the opposite. He said, he said that you know blasphemy against the Holy Spirit was attributing the works of God God to, to demonic works. But a lot of people are, are attributing the works of the devil to works of God. Well, you know, that tornado that killed all those innocent people and sucked those people up and killed them, well, it was an act of God, you know, it was an act of God. Well, small g, 
God of this world, but not our Heavenly Father, God. He, he said, I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save men's lives. <laughs> Remember when Peter and John said, Lord, let's call fire down on them because they're not receiving your ministry. They don't want you to have a crusade there. Let's call fire down on them like Elijah called fire down. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're yielding to. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. See, there's a devil. There are demons. And if we think God's in control, why resist anything? But I think one of the worst things it's doing is giving people who don't know God, who would love God if they saw the real God, it's giving them a bad impression that, you know what? I guess I don't know if I want to serve that kind of God if he's in control of all that, cancer and, and all this and that. I wanted to read you this before we go. It's just a, a couple small paragraphs out of Kenneth Hagin's book, The Art of Prayer. It's a revised edition of The Art of Intercession, but he changed the title to The Art of Prayer. It's in the very first chapter under Why Pray? Um, and he talks about these very things. So I just wanted, wanted to read this to you here. Brother Hagen said in, in chapter one here, he said, during the Vietnam War, a nationally syndicated newspaper columnist began one column by stating that he was not a Christian. He said he was not an atheist either because an atheist says there is no God. He, he said that the journalist said, I suppose you would classify me as an agnostic, he wrote. The agnostic says there may be a God, but if there is, I don't know it. Actually, I'm prone to believe there is a supreme being, and this is an atheist, uh, excuse me, agnostic journalist saying, I'm prone to believe there is a supreme being. I do not believe that everything here just happened. I believe there is a creator somewhere, but I have never read the Bible. I do not attend church. One reason I don't is that what the Christians say about God doesn't agree with what I think a creator should be, nor with what I can see of him in nature. Even ministers say, God has everything under control, he's running everything. And this agnostic columnist said, well, if God's running everything, he sure has things in a mess. People are killing each other, little children are dying, little children are hungry, women are suffering. There are wars everywhere. If God has everything under control, do you mean God is running those wars? And then Brother Hagin said, even an unregenerate columnist knew this wasn't right. God is not ruling the world. He's not ruling on the earth. Thank God he will one day, but right now he, his will is not being carried out on the earth except in the lives of those who surrender to him. See, this is one reason a lot of believers, a lot of people don't want to become believers is because they've heard what some of those believers are saying and preaching and it's just not right. God is not in control of everything that's happening on the earth. It just lets the devil off the hook, makes our father look like a child abuser and it's just not true. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 